Listeners, welcome to another episode of a free podcast. We are on season five. I'm your co-host, joined as always by my good friends, Joe and Duff. November spawned a monster, and it was me. Ahoy. (laughs) Uh... So we are on, like I said, season five, and we are talking about our problematic faves. And if you've tuned in to the other episodes, I talked about Ace Ventura and Duff brought up, um, I want to say Point Break. It's not Point Cape Break. Fear. Cape, Cape Fear. Cape Fear. <laughs> <clears throat> and we're doing something a little separate, a little different here. Joe, we're sticking with problematic faves. Are you having a stroke in real time? <laughs> Do you smell but toast? Would we, if if one of us dies during a recording, will we still release the episode? A and B, will we cut out the part where they die? It depends on if I could reach one of your wives to hit stop recording. So oh yeah, could, yeah, so that it uploads. Yeah, otherwise. Um, hey, if, I know you guys are going through a really tough time right now, but it for sure has to be on the Patreon feed because mm. that's worth paying for. Midnight Boys after life. <laughs> it's it's the audio equivalent of Faces of Death. Oh, God. Just, yeah, you can, uh, uh, if you pay, you can get the our, our, our super cut of podcasters dying on air. <laughs> Honestly, is it any worse than them showing that scene in Tiger King? Um, which one? The, the, where that oh, dude where, dies. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that mean, one. one where someone yeah. dies? Yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not worse. It's less worse, I would say. Uh, okay, back back to the things. We're doing a music episode. That's what I want to tell our listeners. We're talking about music. It's, it's like we saw, movies, we saw but without every pictures. Movie. We yeah, saw every we, movie and ran out. Yeah, well, we there's uh, we thought there's too many uh, movie podcasts, so we decided to do a rock music podcast because yeah. there aren't any of those. Where else can white men shine? Yeah. Um, so, Joe. We are talking about Morrissey. Now, I'm not going to assume anything on anyone. What if a student of yours came up to you, walking by in the hallway quickly, you only got like 30 seconds, and they're like, hey, who is this Morrissey guy anyways? What would be like your three to five sentence answer of just a general overview of who Morrissey is? Uh, I would say it's uh, he was the singer. He's the singer of the Smiths, a great... Uh, band from the 80s from Manchester, England, and uh, who's endured with a hmm, sporadically great solo career. Okay. And uh, I would say he's one of the... hmm, Let me make sure I I believe what I'm about to say. I would say he's arguably one of the finest lyricists in rock music, certainly one of the most unique. I don't think anyone could dispute that but okay. I would also say one of the finest. Okay. So that's that's good. So, yeah, if you don't know him, lead singer of the Smiths. Um, there's a lot more to him than just that, and he has a solo career. We're going to kind of dig into that. But let's start with all the good first. That's how we start on here, right? Before yeah, we get into it, the problematic bits. Well, I, I should start, I guess, by explaining why I picked him. I, yeah. I th- I th- for, like, this season idea, I think it actually, in a way... If we're talking about individual artists, I think musicians, it's the most difficult group to to deal with, right? Like, filmmakers, you know, you don't, unless they're also acting in their movies, you don't see them, you don't hear them. So it's easy to sort of overlook that. You know, if, if you watch a Roman Polanski movie, unless it's Chinatown, I can't think of any other ones he acted in off the top of my head. I'm sure he did. If you watch, I don't know, uh, Macbeth or something like that, you don't see him. You don't hear him. All, the only thing that will remind you that he made it is seeing his name in the credits. So it's easy to just kind of put that out of your mind. Whereas with a musician, particularly if they're the singer, mm-hmm. you're hearing him like front and center. There's no kind of getting around it. Um, and I think that that makes it tougher. And I wanted, I thought it'd be interesting if we tried to tackle one of one of those, a musician instead. And I also, I think a lot of, most of my favorite bands, I don't really know anyone else in my life who likes them. So I rarely, like, talk to anyone about my actual, like, favorite musicians. 
Um, so I thought it'd be interesting to hear what other people have to say about one of my favorites because I rarely, it's not that I don't care about other people's opinions. It's just nobody really likes what I like or certainly no one loves what I love. Also music is, I would argue more personal than a lot of other things. Yeah. What you enjoy. Sure. Definitely. Also, you don't want to be like uh, Dave Matthews fans and just not get the hint that this person doesn't really know the thing you're talking about and just go on for five hours. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like when they dumped all the poop into the river? (laughs) (laughs) That's the only Dave Matthews band conversation I want to have. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I get to follow up on your point, especially with the Dave Matthews band, like no one, unless you also love the musician as much as the other person does, like you don't care. You know, I, I just don't think like music is as fun to argue about as maybe movies are. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like there's unless unless you um, there's a point where there's diminishing returns. Like if someone tells me about an artist I don't know about, I will ask like basic questions. But after like, you know, a few minutes, there's there's not a lot to go off of for a conversation. And I will say, and I'll share this in our show notes, but Joe put together a uh, nice little primer of Morrissey um, for us in Spotify that we'll share on uh, on show notes and stuff. So if you're, you know, if the Smiths are a band you've heard of or Morrissey someone you've heard of or you, if you haven't and you want to jump in, like Joe did a good job of putting that together. And that's a lot easier to jump into than, you know, hey, I haven't seen this movie uh, yeah, and, yeah, and I, my my liner notes would probably be pretty essential for that because it's certainly not like a greatest hits or anything like that. Yeah. But anyways, to get back to like why why I picked them, I would say probably like, well, first of all, and this is probably gonna be a problem throughout the episode. You know, we've got you've got his Smiths output, and then you have his solo output, and it's uh, I, I there's some obviously some similarities. I mean, he's certainly had input into the music of the Smiths not he didn't write the music but and and especially in his late 80s early 90s solo stuff the sound is pretty similar but um yeah he his biggest problem was that he wishes he could just steal the part of Johnny Marr's brain that plays guitar and nothing else but that that goes away a couple albums into his solo career though I I think but and I could I could hear that going through the list you made chronologically uh and so why I picked him is I wanted to pick somebody who I've uh, – a musician who I've loved a long time because I, I don't think the conversation is – as in, it's super easy to drop somebody if you've only been listening to them for a couple of years and then you find out that they have like a swastika tattoo or something, right? Yeah. Or that they, they're they a, a, a rapist or, or whatever. It's only like a really difficult sort of moral and ethical question is, is if they've – been a part of your life through several periods of your life and i i started listening to them gosh it must have been 15 to 20 years ago when i was either in high school or early in college so it's it's been a really long time how how did you how did like i'm guessing you started with the smiths and then how did you like did someone turn you on to them no i don't think so i think i just read uh I i think i was reading a book and i saw uh, like about rock history and i saw a picture of them per- the smiths performing uh and like morrissey's got the flowers in his back pocket and he has like maybe one button buttoned on his shirt <laughs> and his hair is so cool and i was like that band looks awesome and then i you know in that day and age you know you just get on the napster or whatever and yeah and, uh, actually you know what i think i just went to you went to the mall or something? I think I went to the exclusive company, which Milwaukee oh, people yeah. will know about. It's very I don't know local. If... It's a local reference. Yeah. And uh, I bought their first album, the self-titled album. And I was in it, you know, to my ears at that time, I'd never heard anything like it before. And this was probably, you know, 2000, 2001, 2002, something like that. Mm-hmm. But I'd, 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 never, I'd never heard anything like it. And, uh, and sort of the way that his voice and his mannerisms were like clearly playing around with sexuality and uh and he also was just like so over the top but also like kind of winking and laughing about how silly it is <laughs> to be so melodramatic I, I just found the sort of earnestness of how he wrote about being sad and alienated and alone while also like 
winking at how ridiculous it is to feel that way sometimes and how melodramatic and sort of narcissistic you could be when you're in that kind of a mood. I thought that sort of dual layers of that were really funny. I just wanted to say before we went too far, uh, I can speak from experience that you know something is going right in the teen years if you're reading books about rock history. You, you know, you're- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I wish I could remember which book it was, but it was. Um, um, and then I think I also, and I, I'm, you know, I, we're, I, we're always, when we talk about our youth being a little bit anachronistic, is that the word I'm looking for, where you get things in history out of order? Yeah. So anachronism in movies usually means like, Oh yeah, like they that, had a cell phone in the movie before it was invented. Yeah, or that something car like that. wasn't actually water invented. bottles yeah. and little women. Okay, you know now <laughs> I'm. Now I wish I didn't remember this while I was getting ready for this episode. But another thing that I I think that was part of it is, um, and this this I probably saw really early when I was listening to them, or it may have even been this that sparked it, as I saw Twenty Four Hour Party People. Okay, that was about factory records in Manchester, and I I don't remember off the top of my head for sure if the Smiths were part of that. I think the like the most impactful like band that that's part of that movie was Joy Division. Yeah. And uh but I I think that the the Smiths were at least referenced in it. I I wish I I can't remember. I haven't seen it since it came out. That that was probably a part of it too. And that kind of got me into looking into like the bands that came out of that scene in that place. Okay. All right. All right. And last was I I saw, you know, watching that movie and then just reading about Manchester it just seemed like there's a lot of similarities between Manchester and between where I grew up, like these two factory cities that uh, were well past their prime um, and were sort of like, you know, Manchester being like a labor stronghold in the north of England and, and Milwaukee being sort of a democratic stronghold surrounded by Republicans. I, I thought that that was kind of that kind of related to that as well. And there's a lot more to it, but I've been going on too long. Okay. So All let's right. talk about why it's not so easy to listen to him. <laughs> let's yes. just get into that. Uh, he's, he's decided to go, f- he's decided to embrace uh, racism <laughs> in his old age. He is tired of the liberal PC police <laughs> saying that you're racist. He's, if, I mean, I, well, if he was American, he would be MAGA for sure, right? Um, yeah. He's, he's like. <sighs> I was going to say Bill Maher, but even Bill Maher isn't full MAGA. Oh, Bill uh, Maher. Uh, what? Oh, I don't guess I haven't listened to anything Bill Maher's had to say for a long time. James Woods? Yeah. No, I, I just don't. I, th- I, I don't think uh-huh. that he's. I think it's more complicated than that. Okay. Well, let's, but, let's... but but certainly like he's he, I guess I would say that he is. Uh, I guarantee I shouldn't say I guarantee because it just gets more. So and more let's say this: I'd be willing to bet that he that he hates Trump. All I'm gonna say is, uh, if you Google Morrissey and Nazi, it comes up with some pretty relevant content. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, no, I mean that's that's just kind of where I view him on as now. Sorry, but All I right. think I think what you're saying, Joe, is an interesting point um, in a difference between. You know, with Ace Ventura, I talk about there's this movie I loved as a kid, and it still makes me laugh, yet there's this transphobia that permeates the whole movie, and it's really difficult. But it's a little different in that um, related, like, Jim Carrey is sort of, like, an anti-vaxxer and stuff. But, like, it's different when, like, this artist who you've been listening to since you were, you know, late teens, early 20s, and the, all these bands that he, this band he's been in, and all these albums that he's came out with, ends up these guy, this guy whose words that meant a lot to you, now has words that are hateful. Yeah, um, that, that, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I can't really defend much of what he said for the last probably ten years or so. It's kind of been a, a steady decline, but. So one I, one interesting question I have, and maybe this, I don't know at what place this would be best asked, but uh, which, do you think that one is the real Morrissey, or did one devolve? Yeah, I think, I think that they're all the real Morrissey, right? 
I mean, I don't know a, the a, answer. A, a person, I, a person, sort of evolves and changes over the course of their life, and I, th- I don't, I don't think that looking back, he's always been pretty controversial, and he's also always said really stupid stuff. Um, I think that he's deliberately inflammatory when he talks to the press because he's. Um, probably one of the most narcissistic people in the, on the, in the planet. Uh, he, he's desperate for attention. And I think that that is sort of his fatal flaw is that, and, and I think this is the case with a lot of aging artists is they, the thing that made them unique and special when they were young, mm-hmm. you know, like the way that he would, um, I don't know, his sexuality has always, always been kind of like, he's always deliberately made it, pretty mysterious and doesn't like to talk about it mysterious but not mysterious by talking about it in vague ways kind of too right like wasn't he celibate for a while wasn't he claimed he was celibate for a while for a long time yeah he was claimed that he was a vol cell a what 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 well he wasn't an incel because it he didn't oh he was a voluntarily so okay (laughs) he was voluntarily uh yeah because i'm sure he wouldn't have had any trouble getting laid that's for sure Uh, so this this to expand on that answer, and again, I, I don't know if what I think, because I know a little about Morrissey. I don't know a ton. Um, but one thing when it comes to music that I've started thinking about in the last, well, since it was written, um, I don't remember what the context was, but Stephen Hyden wrote, I think he was taught, it was, you know, he was probably talking about a legacy artist, and it was. It was most likely Springsteen and the kind of ridiculous notion of, you know, it's like, oh, singers should never sing about anything they don't they haven't personally experienced. And it's like, oh, Springsteen's not poor anymore and blah, 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 which is ridiculous, but that's kind of not the point. And Stephen, po- Stephen Hyden made this point that I never really thought about is that why do we automatically assume that all song lyrics are true or autobiographical? He's like, he's like, you know, I don't get mad about artists singing about this or whatnot for the same reason I don't get mad that Robert De Niro is not a real taxi driver. <laughs> yeah, and that's a great, a great point because I would say maybe more than any other lyricist. Well, I shouldn't say more than any other lyricist, but I think that what's difficult when you're trying and, and we'll maybe talk about a few specific songs that I think have been misread is he's very frequently... Uh, he is not and i think people misread poetry in the same way he is not the subject of the songs and i think a lot of people think that he like he's inventing these characters and he's and he's speaking from their voice and i think the most widely misread songs are people assuming that since he's singing from the voice of this subject that that inherently means he's sympathetic to that point of view when in fact i think he's making fun of them Right, but we'll have to come back to that, but and that's that makes it challenging, even for like songs that are like, you know, transparently like not political at all. It can be really difficult to 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 analyze some of his songs. Not that I sit and pour over the lyrics or anything like that, but because you don't know when he's being ironic, you don't know he he shifts from different points of view sometimes within the same song and and uh it it can be challenging sometimes and I, it's led i think some people to misunderstand some but but also you know he's also an idiot uh <laughs> <laughs> like i i don't i don't think he always has been but to get back to Rob's question i i think a, a, what so, one thing that's happening now is is a lot of these artists that were like boomers uh or generation x is they these things that they could say and these stan- stances that they could take in the 70s and the 80s and even into the 90s that would have been interesting and rebellious and something to be applauded it in the 21st century it's not interesting anymore because i think like sort of the consensus like liberal point of view has has won the culture war yeah. like if 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 an artist was to come out and uh, be like in favor of gay rights or something like that in 2020 the entire world will shrug and be like oh of course like a an artist uh thinks that you know there's nothing wrong with being yeah. gay anyone born in the last 40 years yeah duh. yeah it, it's it's so it's it's just not interesting anymore 
and I think that what some artists fall into this trap that when they're the thing that they the things that they stood for when they were young that made them rebellious are now just the consensus point of view they seek out other ways to be inflammatory and and I think especially with the like you know older musicians like they inevitably fall into kind of reactionary points of view you know, I'll kind of add to it. I recently read um, "Meet Me in the Bathroom," which is a a a, a book about the like, uh, er, late like the early aughts, late nineties of like the Strokes and Yeah Yeahs and everything in New York that was coming out during that time. And uh, it was interesting because you sort of have like a passage of time of like Interpol and the Strokes, which are, you know, uh, kind of like throwback to some extent rock bands partying all this stuff and then later on uh, towards the end of the book you have like vampire weekend coming out and i don't know which member of the vamp of vampire weekend said this but they're asked about like partying or whatever and they're like no that's stuff by that's what our parents would have done this is our job this is our career and it's just interesting because like they're sort of like they're sort of reacting to the previous generation of how they did things the opposite way and i think that's somewhat similar to this too where it's hard to be different when when you know like you said the liberals have won the culture war you can't it's hard to be uh uh you know provocative which i think is a big thing of morrissey is how provocative he can be yeah he he that that's the word i i couldn't for whatever reason he's a flim flam man he is well he's not a con artist well maybe (laughs) he is now but but he's uh it uh one uh, relevant kind of well i guess kind of similar version i think has happened in the u.s is uh madonna someone who oh yeah who hasn't gone like full nazi maga if you will but it's just like oh no i can't shock people with my sexuality so i'm gonna have a british accent or i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna go in this pool (laughs) i'm gonna i'm just gonna (laughs) adopt some kids every time i get bored or i'm oh, now I'm really into this Eastern religion. Like, nothing that on its face is bad, but it's just kind of like, uh, okay, cool. <laughs> and if you made your entire career in lifestyle off of being provocative, I don't, I can see how you don't really have, you know, I mean, they're musicians, but, like, you don't have any other skills. I mean, performance is what you do. Morrissey did have skills, though. He was a writer. I, well, and here, here's the the. But I, I kind of agree. I I get your overall point. It's like yeah, he, and and this is what separates sort of the. Um, th- th- this is what can be so sad when, as you watch an artist age is some of them can get older and they're just like, I'm not the biggest star in the world anymore, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm not offering anything new anymore, and I, that's not to say you can't offer something new with your art. But like you, you aren't pushing the boundaries of popular culture anymore, the way that you were when you were young. And you know what? That's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. You know, when you're 55, you it's not your job to to push uh, the boundaries of pop culture. In fact, it's just kind of creepy to try. Yeah, because but, well, because, someday... because 90% of rock music is about trying to get laid, and when you reach a certain age, that becomes creepy. Yeah, and 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 I think that some artists have transitioned really, really well by just finding interesting things to say about aging, or just about or reflecting back on mistakes they they made when they were younger, and imparting the wisdom of being older into their art. Lots of people have done that successfully. Uh, like think about uh, like "Time Out of Mind" by Bob Dylan when he you know that he made what when he almost died. And it's such a fascinating look at mortality. And, like, uh, not very many, like, 25-year-olds can make an album like that because how many 25-year-olds have a genuine scare like that combined with, you know, six-odd decades of, of life wisdom, right? Yeah, and, I, and, I, and, and I agree with you. Here, yeah. I think there's two, there's, you know, on the one hand, you kind of have, like, you know, like Neil Young or Bruce Springsteen, where like you said, they they don't have the cultural cachet they once did. They're just in it for the fans and for having fun. Occasionally you might get something that's legitimately great. And then on the other hand, you have to me, you two, who just <laughs> yeah. who just awkwardly insert themselves 
kind of like Morrissey has done at times. Into your phone. <laughs> In, yeah. Into your phone. <laughs> well, you know, you U2 tries to uh, main, uh, continue to be the biggest band in the world by forming like brand alliances. I was about to say, I think the moment I was kind of, I knew I was kind of done with U2 overall was when they endorsed the second smartphone. <laughs> and I mean, even to have a band endorse a phone <laughs> in the first place yeah, they, is, yeah. it's kind of like, uh, okay. And then, cause they were one of the big flagship partnerships, like you said, with, uh, iPhone, uh, and Apple. And, but then for a while I did Samsung. I'm like, what, what is even going on here? But, <laughs> but I think, I think this is getting into, um, in, into like, this is why it's so hard to stay relevant as a musician. Because like the way there's very few ways to do it that don't end up feeling uh, either icky or lazy. Because the other the other way you do is you just like shut up and play the hits, which I have. Which as I've grown older, I have a you know more respect for if if you put the effort in. Yeah, if you're putting on good shows. Go ahead, go play the hits. Yeah, and 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 if you're if you're continuing to make music and it's not that good, but you're still trying your best, that's fine too. You know, like, I don't know that, like, the Rolling Stones just kind of keep going out there every couple years, playing the hits, and their new music, like, I, I think, I'm going to use the word literally no one listens to. I was, I was going to say, I was going to say boring. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, 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 Rolling Stones are awesome. I haven't listened to anything they've made intentionally in the last 25 30 years i mean there is there is like a certain like legacy band thing where you can just keep going because enough people want to get that achievement unlocked right i saw them and i, and saw, I saw them oh, i don't know seven years ago six years ago uh, they came through and played at milwaukee and it was fantastic uh i mean like you always have to be super suspicious like how much of what i'm listening to is a backing track but let's just not think about that let's try not yeah. to yeah um but another one, another reason, Rob, I agree, and another reason why it's especially so hard with rock music is because rock music is something that's even more so than other arts or music genres comes from. Yeah, we're young and gonna live forever. Yeah, yeah. So, and let's to to bring this kind of this part of the conversation, I think, to like wrap it wrap it wrap around to it. That's sort of the tragedy of Morrissey is, you know, you take a band like the Rolling Stones, obviously way more famous. Um, not The Smiths were huge, quite big at the time and stuff like that, but Morrissey can't fill an arena, certainly not. What would we say like uh, an American, but, an American um, comparison or parallel from like how big they were would be maybe like, would R.E.M. be too big? Uh if maybe, the Smiths wouldn't have broken up, I think they could have been as big as REM because by the '90s, REM was playing like arenas and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe, but, maybe like, like, uh, like out of time REM. Like I think they were that big, but okay. then yeah, he he could have jumped to the like yeah huge eighty million dollar record deals and stadium sure. tours. So I. <sighs> the The thing with the Stones is they know well, we don't have to say anything controversial. We don't have to do anything. We just need to tour every couple of years. Just need to stay alive. Stay, stay, <laughs> stay alive. alive. Stay Last in shape. Stay in shape. And we have built up so m- much momentum. So many people want to see us that we can keep playing these shows forever. Mm-hmm. Like Morrissey is in the exact same position at a, at a much smaller scale, but he can fill, you know, thousand to two thousand seat theaters all around the world he's huge in mexico really in southern california he has a like he has a massive latinx audience yeah like, i read that that i actually when i was doing research on this that's what i had read i think uh la times had a had a piece about how um like <laughs> so he's what? got these like anti-immigration views but this huge latinx population that loves them so why does he have this latinx audience he he seems like the and maybe this is the appeal. He seems the furthest thing away from their type of music. Uh, I think that I I can't speak for that community, so I won't say. And and in terms of the anti-immigrant stuff, that's 
a relatively recent phenomenon. Yeah, as well. that's what I mean. That's what I mean, though. You know, he moved to LA in the '90s, and um, he, yeah, he could play. And I think he somewhat recently just did. You know, he could he could play four nights a row in LA and sell out every show. So is, is it America's fault is all of this because he came to America? I don't think so. Because if you listen to his stuff in the, in the nineties after he moved, or you listen to, um, um, sorry, the, I'm blanking on the, you listen to, you are the quarry, like pretty much all of his music from the Bush era. There's not really anything to find in there that I think would be a problem. One consistent thing he's had his entire career is uh, he's like almost sort of militant in his opposition to eating meat. Right. Which whatever that's, he's probably right. I read it's murder. Yeah. He's, 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 he's he's probably right. Although I I do eat meat, not as much as I used to. Uh, I mean, basically you are the quarry is an entire, almost an entire album about, how awful the United States is in the Bush era and it's sort of legacy of marginalizing people of color and women and and gay people. And while at the same time, you know, he loves it here. And I think musically it's, I'll call it pretty good, but there's nothing in that album, at least that I, that I can think of off the top of my head that, that would give you any signs of where he was going to go. And I just really think that it's I think that basically Brexit broke everyone in England's brain and in the United States. Like the the combination of Trump and Brexit has completely uh split our skulls in half and now we're wasn't just he, like wasn't giggling saying, and scooping brains out. Wasn't he saying bad things before that though? Even before what was that 2016? Yeah, I mean I mean I guess I I that, it that got the, it accelerated that, it significantly. That was the straw. That that certainly was. But I, I like he's had, you know, quotes about, you know, people are like, uh, you know, Morrissey calls Chinese people the Chinese subhuman, and he it's definitely clumsily phrased and is really stupid thing to say. But what he's talking about is like the dog meat market and how that is subhuman, which. You know, I have, I'm aware of what racism is, so I would never phrase it that way. <laughs> but, like, I think, like, a, a, a dog meat market is legitimately a horrifying and disgusting thing. At the same time, I also am aware of how to talk about it. And so he combines, you know, a point of view that is correct, which is that those are awful, with his impulse to be provocative and get attention so he's, I think, deliberately says something inflammatory. Then it gives him some, uh, another opportunity to complain about how he's treated in the press, which is probably his favorite thing in the world to do. Mm-hmm. His uh, second favorite thing being complaining about record companies. Yeah. Which can bring me into uh, being the person that, that lis- uh, listened to the audiobook of his autobiography. And uh, if you want to listen to a... a famous musician uh, feel sorry for themselves for about three or four hundred pages is that the book for you did he read it is he the audio is he the funnily enough uh, it's read by an actor called David Morrissey oh. <laughs> so it's like it's like God, so in the, in the actor sounds a lot like him I think he's in the Walking Dead or something I don't isn't know isn't that from this is Spinal Tap the idea of having uh different people the same last names read famous authors with the same last names i think that is really that's funny i forgot that part yeah i'd forgotten i don't remember that but it sounds it sounds it definitely def- absolutely sounds like something christopher guest a christopher yeah, guest maybe character it was on a scene on that dvd but i'm pretty sure it's from there <laughs> that's hilarious and the guy sounds a lot like him um but so that book is in turns like sometimes quite moving sometimes i think like it is really interesting like when he when he talks about the music that he loves i think that that's when it's at his best and then also it really shows you just what like a miserable like prick he can be I'll, i i've heard like in person he's actually and this is maybe and probably not true but that he's actually kind of a nice guy again i i find that very hard to believe sure <laughs> but um, he, he seems like a sociopath. 
Uh, I mean, I here's the thing though. Here's the thing. I think that's the case of most artists, at least musicians for sure. I'm sort of like, yeah, they they kind of like I kind of feel similar to how I feel about like politicians. Like you have to be broken to some extent to even yeah. do this. I I I do agree with that. I think that like actors and musicians are that's that's two groups of people that. I would be very leery of. <laughs> yeah. Their just egos are just, obviously not always, but often got to be just out of control. Yeah. My assumption um, is this is a rule, and then the exception, they occur. There's yeah. the Tom Hanks of the world. So, so he's basically spends his whole book, you know, he um, he's in one of like the most, now we, you know, we have the benefit of perspective, but, but a, a band that's got, that's, without question regarded as one of the finest bands ever. I think a lot of people don't like the Smiths and that's fine, but I yeah. think most people would regard them as, as one of the great bands of the eighties, maybe one of the big, great rock bands ever. Uh, like Paul Maroon from the, uh, the Walkman as a like thought experiment developed, wrote out an argument that the Smiths were the best band of all time. And I don't even think he really necessarily believes it, but it was a really convincing argument. And it's an argument that I have absolutely no interest in having with you two. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but he, the entire time when he writes about his experience with the Smiths, I would say at least a third of it is complaining about how the record company kept various singles or albums from being bigger and how the press ignored them or treated them unfairly and i just think like it that is just such a pathetic sad way uh like perspective to have about something that must have been like i would think could have been or would be so fun you had mentioned that um i don't want to i don't want to interrupt any anything you were going to say but you had mentioned you want to talk to people about your band about a, about an artist I do. I don't know. You said that to be. Oh no, no. I just think. Well, I just think it's inter- um, uh, Yeah, I guess. I, I guess I was interested to, to. This is probably the first time I've had an in-depth conversation about one artist that in music, probably in years. I guess. Uh, me, our friend of the show, Meeks, and I will, will talk music from time to time for sure. But we certainly, I don't think of. It's been a long. We have done it, but it's certainly been a long time where we spent an hour talking about the same band. Yeah. yeah. I guess so you guys coming in I I guess I've absolutely no clue if you guys like the Smiths or like Morrissey at all I don't think we've ever talked about either of them before you loaned me sometime in that early 20s phase you uh either loaned me or recommended I listen to the Smiths debut album yeah so 10 12 13 years ago 15 years ago wherever it was that did happen (laughs) okay at least 15 years ago if it was Um, college yeah so uh that did happen um i i it's weird the smiths are a band that i should like and let me tell you spotify certainly thinks i should like them <laughs> um because i like a lot of um bands. you're breaking their algorithm <laughs> yeah i really am they, I, <laughs> all their monkeys programming in their basement are like, like desperately trying <laughs> i they are the reason I don't listen. Shit, we're, to- we're talking about Morrissey, so I should be careful that nothing gets misread as racist. <laughs> All of the chimpanzees, the animal that are banging on typewriters in the basement—that was the joke. Uh, whenever I like, will you know, listen to like a, a playlist that Spotify builds me based off like songs I've liked. Morrissey and the Smiths keep coming up, and and I don't say this as much as we love to argue and complain on the show, I actually don't like not liking something that people like a lot. Um, it's so fun though. It's not. I feel like I'm missing out. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, so the Smiths, I don't like, but I like uh, uh, a lot of bands that are similar. And a lot of them, which Joe, you have been who turned me on to them, like uh, joy division and Depeche mode. I also like like uh, T-Rex and tears for fears and the cure and all these things for whatever reason. And I don't know what it is. I don't like the Smiths. I and I and I don't I I don't have a reason why because 
these thoughts ha- these feelings happen pre like knowing how problematic and troublesome Morrissey's personal life and views have become. Um, and I think it's because at my core, I'm one of the dumbest music listeners you could imagine <laughs> in that I don't, what does put, that mean <laughs> in that? Like, I don't <laughs> like, I love to listen to music. I listen to it all the time. I have like bands and albums and songs I love, but like, I barely know the lyrics or words to any songs. I I don't know what most songs mean. I don't I don't like it's just like it's such a a, a lizard brain guttural reaction of how I enjoy music. And I think most of the time that's appropriate. I mean, Cuz like what I, what percentage of of like musicians or bands have lyrics where it even matters? I mean like I would say it's almost always just like kind of replacement level stuff, right? Well, I also think I also think timing more so than any other than any other like um art timing of when you start listening to an artist is really important because yeah. Um you know, I remember in like 7th <laughs> and 8th grade really getting into Metallica and like reading master of puppets like the lyrical notes to him being like man sanitarium is this is about heroin pretty 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 deep stuff here <laughs> he's, yeah. re- he's really effed up because of those drugs and i look back at now and i'm like this is this that's such a dumb take i had but of course at that age like you know and not that like you have to be young to understand that but still like you know you have to hit you at the right age of your life and the right time of your life for something to to like sink its hooks in and the Smiths never did for me. Your your emotional like well is so wide open that, it, like to use a contemporary phrase, it hits different. Yeah, yeah. I think that is also a big part of it for me. Uh, I will say that my f- oddly my first introduction to Morrissey or the Smiths and the song that I still know, like it's my go to association, is uh. <clears throat> excuse me is uh the more you ignore me because that was one of the last videos he had that got airplay on MTV oh yeah and i did i send you oh that's yeah, the one that where he yeah. goes to james dean's hometown right yeah yeah so that's, that that's actually his videos are usually really embarrassing but that one's not as bad and <laughs> that was god that was like what 93 or so uh, i can 90- tell you if you just give me a second it was 90 i was uh 94 yeah so but after that you know i we had we hadn't we even had an alternative music station but it was more current stuff like i mean but a lot of grunge rock and then going into like uh like alanis morissette and more stuff like that like more mainstream alternative of the time so there this was pre-internet or at least pre-napster and there was no place I could see or hear the Smiths because even with having cable, that was about that video was it. That other yeah. than that, I never came across Morrissey or the Smiths um, on TV, on the radio. None of my friends were into the Smiths um, or Morrissey. So, and I, like I said earlier, like you, I read a lot of books about rock stars and whatnot and the name would pop up but i never went and sought it out and you know as you i don't remember what you just said but your teenage years is when you your brain is awash in dopamine everything you feel it more and then it sticks with you forever and i think i missed out on everything has to be about you when you're a teenager well yeah i mean i'm just saying it's what it feels like yeah yeah so um, I'm I too missed out on that Smith's experience. Now the flip side to this, and I wouldn't, I am, I a little more than neutral on the Smiths and Morrissey. There are some songs I like. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say I dislike them. So, but going back to, you know, on the other hand, thinking of what I just said about. Uh, Morrissey and the Smiths 
I was not really into Oasis in the 90s when they were big, but okay. but I love them now. Yeah, same with me, actually. So it's weird because, I, like, obviously they weren't, you know, I was aware of them, but they were not, I wasn't listening to them in high school or college or whenever. So, and so I kind of thought about why do I not like The Smiths as much as I like Oasis and that's where I think it just comes into like style preference. And also, Rob, I'm going to agree with you in that I could not name a single Smith's lyric, which I feel bad about, like, except for the song, uh, except for the single I said, the more you ignore me. Like if you said, hey, can you sing any Smith songs? Like I get to big mouth. Like I just, <laughs> I, I cannot and I've heard these albums, like sometimes I'll listen to them and I know the songs, but Morrissey's lyrics never stuck with me. And I don't know why that is, but they, I but, think, but with Oasis, they did. I think, Joe, you sort of mentioned that Smiths are uh, regarded as a great band, even though people may not like them. Yeah. And I don't know what it is, and maybe it's the spooner in me. But when I hear Morrissey, I want someone to kick his ass. <laughs> I know that sounds no, terrible, I, he's, but like he, there's like a there's like an urge in me where I'm like, could someone just beat he, that guy up? He seems like the world's most awful person, even before he was. In some ways, like he's just very punchable. <laughs> but I, but I don't. But I mean, but I'm guessing that's probably like there's I'm, I couldn't I can't be the only person that feels that way. Maybe I am. I guess stuff you proved I'm not. But like maybe that's why there's just something. There's just something about the voice that people either love He's, or don't love. Even even like when he, the Smiths were like at their peak in the mid '80s, he just seemed so effing smug. But just, they have a sound, though. I mean, you can hear. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I I couldn't tell you that many Smith songs or Morrissey songs, but I can hear it and be like, oh, I know who that is. So that's an interesting note because I absolutely love how they sound but more is that i love johnny mars guitar playing i i think he's fantastic so it's weird that there's one part of the smiths and uh, a lot of the early morrissey stuff where he's trying to get that sound that i can love but just the actual singer and the lyrics don't do much for me i don't know the lyrics but that's because i'm stupid and i wouldn't unless i mean like i said like i am at like I'm just the simplest listener of music. No, and uh, I, so this is something that I don't understand either and that I don't I don't know why some artists I will actually listen to the lyrics and pick up on them and some I won't. Like it's just one of those things like is it nature, is it nurture, is it how old I am? Is it when and it's probably just as simple as when you heard it. When you heard if you heard it at the right time. But sometimes but sometimes, you know, like there are obviously there are some songs or artists where I've learned the lyrics since, you know, my twenties or even into my thirties. No, I'm not I'm not saying that, but I'm like even both you guys mentioned Oasis, like you didn't like them or weren't really a huge fan when they were like big and you were younger. I, I like you, them. I like them, but I just never I didn't own any of their albums or anything like okay. that, you know. But but maybe like, you know, something I, I don't necessarily think it's – I'm not trying to get to the point where I'm like, oh, after 30, you don't listen to new music. But um, I do think at some point you either heard an Oasis song or you listened to an Oasis album, and it was the right time of your life or your headspace where it clicked. I just, yeah. I honestly think it's as simple as that for all this stuff. And, and I also think it could be as simple as five days or five months or 15 years from now, I could play um, – how soon is now and I'll be a, and I'll like it. I actually think that could happen. Uh, it just the, hasn't happened for me. And yet. the super interesting thing with Oasis is Oasis lyrics are garbage nonsense. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> like, it's, and, and, and also feature like singers that you should, that need to get punched. Yeah. Oh, uh, absolutely too. A hundred percent Joe. Yeah, too, <laughs> like uh, there's a much significantly higher chance that that you could meet Morrissey and he would be nice to you and you would like him than the that happening if you met either of the Gallagher brothers agreed absolutely <laughs> agreed yep um I will say though the Gallagher and obviously both of you guys know this but the Gallagher brothers bring me so much joy oh that- and as as entertaining as rock musicians get just so 
powerful in their dumb guy energy. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I know we're going out on a tangent, but it's like, I don't even, how could these two dummies even learn to play guitar? <laughs> like, like oh, God, just such beautiful, dumb, large adult sons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess to address some of the things you which, guys which said. Which goes to show that it's all just a big fluke. Like, why do I love those dumb guys but not Morrissey? <laughs> well, okay, and, and I that's kind of what I want to address. So I think, like, if you look at the Smiths in the 80s and, and like, the things that they were angry about and the, the, the sort of stances that they took, I think were, like, really noble and really interesting. And, like, a lot of, you know... I guess people who would dismiss their music and and Morrissey D- solo dismiss stuff. them. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, he, they, I mean, I, I think they like legitimately spoke for a, a disenfranchised population in the industrial north of England that just suffered under just horrific abuse under Thatcherism, and I think that part of maybe what gets missed is. Like, I'm aware, and I certainly agree, that, like, Margaret Thatcher is one of the 20th century's most loathsome figures, and um, they certainly would have a sympathetic ear for me. But I didn't live it, you know? But when you you listen to The Smiths, you first started listening to that album. I mean, did you know all that context, or is that something you sort of dug into as you listened more and more? Yeah, that's, that's how I learned about it. But I certainly knew what it was like to grow up in a place that was decades past its prime because of deindustrialization and and uh, policies that sort of left industrial urban centers abandoned in the United States. I mean, there's similarities in where I grew up and where, where he grew up. There's also, like, obviously, I wasn't, like, abused by my teachers when I was at school. Uh, you know, I didn't have the kind of rough family life that, that he had either. Um, and... But, but I just think, like, when some people kind of look back on that music and it's like, oh, what is he whining about? It's uh, And I'm not saying that you guys said that, but I think that sometimes people kind of, like, thinking about contemporary Morrissey sort of forget about how who he was singing for when he was, you know, 23 and they made, you know, The Queen is Dead or whatever. I, I, I think that was they really stood for some really noble things. And and I guess to kind of bring this into to kind of I think my closing thought about him and and kind of the tragedy of him is that I think like the most dangerous thing for a young person is to feel alone and to feel isolated and to feel alienated, and I think almost every single teenager feels that way mm-hmm. at some point in their life, right? Yeah. So a lot of people find community in music or they find a community in sports or uh gaming or whatever and and you can you can find community um in healthy places and and in unhealthy places and i think that why the people who love the smiths and morrissey love them so much is because they had they were he was uniquely good at speaking to people who felt alone and felt alienated and showed them that there is a, a better way, a, a way to cope with that that didn't involve turning into like, you know, what kids are turning into today when they feel that way, Nazis. Mm-hmm. And and the tragedy of it is that he has, I think, and I, I'm speculating here, but I think he's built himself this sort of life where he as an old man is feels isolated in the way that a 15 year old feels isolated and he's succumbed to that desire to get people to pay attention to him that he so powerfully got kids to avoid when he was in his prime like he succumbed to exactly what the power of his music pulled people out of when he was young, does that? I, I don't think I phrased that very well. No, I think no. that makes sense. I, I think that makes perfect sense. And to add on that, I uh, we've kind of hit upon how rock stars, Rob, you kind of said how probably inherently have something wrong with them. 
mm-hmm. and it's then it just becomes uh you have something wrong with you and now you have a ton of money and fans who are indulging your worst instincts especially when you're i mean the other thing especially when you're young and you become a star oh yeah i and again this is not unique to morrissey or anyone and i think morrissey honestly um in terms of just pure intellect is probably smarter than 90 percent of rock stars sure yeah, I don't think there's any denying he's he's a pretty smart guy. Yeah, but. but just in general, like these are dudes who, you know, at sometimes 16, 18, you know, they may pay their dues and whatnot, or they just all of a sudden, they might be like, you know, everyone can just kind of think of like some misfit they knew in high school, and now imagine if that dude had $10 million in an entourage and could just do what they wanted. Well, we're getting close to an hour, so I wanted to go into the last thing I wanted to talk about. Um, what? Oh, okay. So, uh, so like, why to, to bring this kind of to full circle, and also to include you guys uh, and, and kind of your own kind of musical end of this question of problematic phase faves. I was thinking, I, I thought a lot about like, well, why do I still listen to him, whereas there are other artists that I I don't watch or listen to their stuff anymore because it's just like they're they're awful. I I can't do it anymore. And I think that um, I was reading Nick Cave wrote like a blog post about this whole like Morrissey controversy. And I guess we never actually said the big thing that everyone's mad about right now. And that he played uh, was it Jimmy Kimmel? I don't know if you guys read about. Uh, this. I'm not. I, I I didn't think that. I didn't know anything about Kimmel. I so I might not know what you're talking. It was about. it was like a he had like a sticker or yeah, or no, a, it was a pin. I'm pretty pin. sure it was on Jimmy Kimmel. He played his show and he wore. A, a pin for a, like a far right uh, British right. political party, and um, and and that's I guess when I referenced earlier about how Brexit broke people's brains, it it absolutely shattered Morrissey's. And See, I thought you were gonna bring up that I think fairly recently he had a a video on his website from well, kind of like Storm, oh. Stormfront or something like that. No, it wasn't. It was a Stormfront, but it was it, it was it was. Uh, um, yeah, a different <laughs> like uh, it might have even been someone from that same party, but somebody who's definitely like anti-immigrant and racist, like some British figure. Uh, yeah. You know, British racists are a dime a dozen, just like American racists. Cause there's no shortage of them. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and that's just awful. I mean, and antithetical to everything that I believe in. And and Nick Cave wrote about it. And he wrote about how he feels like as soon as he releases a song, like the second it's out, it's not his anymore. And I think that like with, I, and I would, I would follow that up. I think that's true. You know, as soon as somebody writes a book or they make a movie or they write a song, it's, it's now it's the audiences. Um, and I don't even know, I, I still pay attention to and think about artistic intent, but I think there's a lot to be said for it not mattering at all. Like, who cares? All that matters is what you think about it and how you feel about it. So on the one hand, you know, that's part of it is like all those old songs of his that I love, they're not his anymore. And what he says or does now has no impact on what he was singing about in 1992 or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. To follow that up with, I think that music, these songs are also, even if you do consider the artist, they're snapshots of that person in that specific moment in their life creating a piece of art to document what they are feeling and thinking about and caring about in that moment and what he's saying and doing when he's 60 years old I just don't know if that's relevant to what he was saying and thinking and feeling when he was 27 and you know i unless I'm misreading, unless he's putting codes into these songs. Like I, I just think he was a different person back then. And, and in fact, like if you look at songs like, like the national front disco, I think he's writing very intelligently about what pulls people into the very thinking that he has succumbed to. Um, and, and how desperation leads people astray into you know, right-wing, racist, anti-immigrant, reactionary policies. Because I'm sure he saw all kinds of his friends and neighbors succumbing to that in the 70s and 80s as they were losing their jobs, just like we have over, you know, our, our lifetimes too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not an excuse, but it's just a fact. Um, 
And then I was like, so I wanted to think of an artist. So, well, there's got to be some musicians that I'm like, nope, uh, not interested in anymore. And wh- how do I square that circle where I, I keep listening to his stuff and I don't l- listen to this other person's? And Duff, I apologize, but the, I thought the best example was uh, Ryan Adams. That you don't listen to anymore? Yeah, I don't listen to anymore. And I was like, well, what's the difference? Like, I, I just can't listen to especially like his newer stuff anymore. And I think the difference is kind of what I was referencing with Morrissey is the entire reason that he's problematic is because he was emotion, certainly emotionally abusive of his ex-wife. At least I believe that he was, I believe her. Oh, Ryan Adams and Mandy yeah. Moore. Yeah. 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 And so these, these newer albums, which I sort of prefer to his earlier stuff, the entire content of those albums is him making an album like, I am sad because you left me. Yeah. And then now we we realize she left him because he was abusing her. He, another sociopath, most likely. <laughs> so, like, that's, an, that, that's the difference, I guess, is those songs are a glimpse into the bad person that he is. Like, they're a, a product of evil. They are how an, an abuser talks to someone that they're abusing. And I can't listen to it. It's, it's like disturbing to me. And I, I'm not, I, and I trust me, I'm not purposely picking on somebody, an artist that you like on purpose. It's just, I just thought it was, it's the best example I could think of. No, I mean, he's a pretty relevant example. Uh, yeah, I kind of, I don't know if there's an overall rule because it's the same thing where there's some artists I do and some I don't like I'm probably never going to watch a Woody Allen movie again. That was the other one I was thinking of with movies because basically his movies are like I want to have sex with a teenager right? (laughs) I mean just part of it is just learning I mean yeah you're 100% right but then the other part is just I didn't know like I I feel like it was probably, I don't know if it was Me Too or it was even before that, just like learning about Ronan Farrow and things like, and just kind of reading more about that. It's like, oh, I don't think I, like, maybe I just didn't know the whole thing. And it, it's we, and it's different when you can see them too, right? Yeah. Um. So there's that. But on the other hand, I don't really feel bad or even have cognitive dissonance with Ryan Adams. Um. I think where I draw the line is, like I'm probably never gonna go see him in concert again I'm probably not gonna buy like give him any more money but at the same time it's like well I it's kind of what you said like this was put out there and it is what it is and we all to some degree like all our faves or at least almost all of them are problematic in different ways yeah I actually am more cynical on this I feel like our rules are whatever we want to make them to be based off our tastes yeah that's um because you know it's especially with music it's so hard what you do you know like i mean there's obvious ones like michael jackson right and then there's even more recent ones like kanye which gets tough but then like you know i think one of the worst things you can do is beat up your spouse and now you're talking the Beatles, you're talking John Lennon, you're talking James Brown, Miles Davis, how like do you, all how do sorts you, of people. How do you feel about uh, murdering your fifth wife? Yeah. <laughs> um, who did that? Jerry Lee Lewis. Oh, yeah. And then, and then like the cops like just swept it under the rug for him. Or Jimmy Page, didn't he kidnap and rape a... He uh, literally kept an underage girl in a closet. For... Yeah. yeah. So it's just... I, I, I It's just... I mean, I'm probably hard. wrong with my Ryan Adams thing because it, it, I guess that's one of those things where it's just the difference is, is it's something that happened so recently along with music that was that was released so recently. That's that's why that one sticks out as difficult for me. But but I think, Rob, you're right. It's just like, what, am I supposed to just do a Google search before I listen to Exactly. Every artist, right before yeah. I listen to their album, to make sure they didn't do anything since the last time I listened to it. And 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 I think that's I think that's the theme of this season. If you've made it through these three episodes of us talking about these things we love and maybe why it's hard to love them, is um, I think it's I think it's okay to like stuff from 
that are that are works of art that might be problematic for artists that are but i think what is the essential thing is to have awareness of it to understand um why it's a problem because if you don't get that then you've lost like that's the thing you need to understand is why this person or this thing is a problem i think yeah i i would overall agree with that my question would be would you guys if you could choose to would you prefer to return to like the first half of the 20th century when you know the movie studios like covered up every bad thing a movie star did or uh you know a the sports the baseball reporters wouldn't report on what Babe Ruth did and stuff like that would you just they, rather they kind of live in ignorance they wouldn't report if a president had prostitutes come in secret tunnels <laughs> <laughs> or yeah yeah or they were or the like, president came in secret tunnels it sounds uh, like I set that one up for you I guess <laughs> wow I would rather know I guess I'd rather know I'd I'd rather have that information be out there and you give us the chance to do with that information as we will. Some people will choose not to listen to someone or to to do that. And I think that's totally fair. And I would never like, you know, you guys mentioned Woody Allen. You're absolutely right. I have a bunch of Woody Allen movies that I still watch and enjoy. Um, So, you know what I that and, and I wouldn't stop you from not. It from from like throwing out your Woody Allen stuff and never watching Woody Allen again. I wouldn't that that does. I in fact I kind of look at you the way I look at people who stopped watching the NFL when I haven't. Where I'm like, yeah, damn it, you're right. So here's I think the only the last thing I have to say about it is whichever way you go, uh, just shut up about it. <laughs> <laughs> 